Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to the Text Talk podcast. We are continuing our look at Acts 15. That's our episode for today. But Edwin, what is our reading? We're going to be reading Acts 15 verses 13 through 21. And I am still reading from the English Standard Version. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. All right, hold up. I thought James died. Hey, that's a good catch there. So when we were reading in Acts chapter 12, we did a couple of episodes about James the Apostle being arrested and being executed. And this is James, the brother of John, James, who was a fisherman with Peter and Andrew and one of the first disciples that Jesus called to follow him out of Galilee. That James was arrested and executed in Acts chapter 12. And who is this James? So this James then is going to be the half-brother of Jesus. In fact, when you go back to Acts chapter 12, the night that Peter was uh, miraculously delivered from his jail cell, the visit of the angel, uh, we did a couple episodes talking about that as well. But the information about his release needs to be spread throughout the rest of of the church and in fact in acts 12 and verse 17 says but motioning to them with his hand to keep silent he declared to them how the lord had brought him out of the prison and he said go tell these things to james and to the brethren and he departed and went to another place so even in acts chapter 12 when we read about the apostle james uh, being put to death there is another james who is a significant leader in the church at jerusalem even at that time That's the half-brother of the Lord. Which is fascinating because James, when Jesus was alive, didn't believe him. We we can even turn to passages where they were almost like mocking him. You know, well, you you should go on to the feast if if you're really who you say you are. But back in chapter 1 of Acts, Mm -hmm. after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord, and we've had the days that Jesus has been with the apostles— And now the group of disciples is waiting. Jesus has told the apostles something is coming. Mm -hmm. And so they're waiting and they're devoting themselves to prayer. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Mm -hmm. So even there, we find that the brothers of Jesus have become a part of this band of disciples while Jesus was alive. And you can almost understand it. I mean, if my brother came up and said he was the Messiah, I'd laugh at him for multiple reasons. But you can see why brothers might not be the first to accept. Sure. And yet, when all this is said and done, these brothers witness the resurrected Savior 
1 Corinthians 15, Paul's going to bring that up, that James Mm -hmm. witnessed the resurrected Savior. And that changed. That took him away from the brotherly jealousy and competition and got him to realize this this fellow Jesus, he's not my brother. He's my Lord. He's my king. And now he has become one of the leaders of this group. And it is so exciting because like a like a Saul of Tarsus, you see the transition from one of skepticism to one of commitment. Now, there's something I really wanted to talk about here, so I don't want to spend too much time talking about James. Yeah, there's something well, fascinating in this. 15. What James says. In Acts 15. In Acts 15. Okay. Back in Acts 15. What James says is... We have this prophecy that told us that the Gentiles are going to be a part of this. None of this should have surprised us. So I think what we should do is rather than telling them they have to keep the law, rather than Mm -hmm. telling them they have to keep the customs of Moses, and rather than telling them they have to be circumcised, what we need to tell them is, you know what, stay away from things strangled, stay away from blood, stay away from sexual immorality, stay away from idolatry, stay away Mm -hmm. from from those things. And there's just a lot packed in to that little statement there. Well, there absolutely is. Um, James, of course, as as you uh, pointed out a moment ago, he is quoting scripture. That is the beginning of his, um, uh, I guess, uh, teaching his input in these discussions. We've heard from Peter. We've heard from Paul and Barnabas. All of this united testimony that says the gospel is for the Gentiles, the Jews are actually being saved in Christ the same way as the Gentiles. One message here. And James then brings to bear other passages from the scripture, what we call Old Testament scriptures. This is all in line with God's plans. Now, when somebody comes to Christ, there is a, there is a, there is a background. What are they coming out of? Okay, the the Jews they they had an expectation, always knowing the the true God that idolatry is wrong and and such as that. But now the Gentiles, and I would say probably the Jewish perspective of the Gentile world, is that it is just wildly pagan, given over to some of the most atrocious behaviors, and that in the name of religion and worshiping and pleasing all of this pantheon of false gods. Well, the people are having to set that aside, set those practices aside. But, uh, you know, h- how much understanding and clarity is involved when I'm leaving, that Jesus is not one of many gods, Jesus is God. And I'm not adding a couple of their practices or another day of a week to all these temples and all these other practices, but I need to just follow the Lord. Well, James is highlighting the fact that, okay, Gentiles, you don't have to follow the law. That doesn't mean that every legal statement made in the law is now null and void. That doesn't mean that or, you, or you can, inapplicable or to inapplicable. You. Yeah, he says, you know what? Let's let's. Where are the Gentiles? What is it that the Gentiles are coming out of? We as Jews are. We have our own baggage. The Pharisees brought their baggage in, but you Gentiles are bringing your baggage in. And even though, and this is one of the things I think is important to highlight, even though. We're telling you, you don't, you don't have to submit to the law. There are some things in the law that apply to you, mm-hmm. and they still apply even though we are under the gospel and mm-hmm. in the faith. Mm-hmm. And here's what I find really fascinating is that he quotes the prophet. We all recognize that's a quote. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, at the, with this, the prophets agree, and then he just gives a quote. Mm-hmm. But as he talks about let's lay no greater burden on them, he lists four things. 
And the four things that he lists, and you especially notice this in the letter, when they come back with the letter. Yeah. So while you're uh, turning there to the letter, I'll just say real quickly, again, you said something so true just in passing about how we're not under that law, we're under a gospel. Yeah. You know, I, I like for people to understand, yeah, when you are a Christian, that Old Testament, it's not our law. Mm-mm. But it is our lessons. Oh, yeah. Good. We learn from it. We Absolutely. learn from it. Absolutely. So in the letter, as they wrote the letter, uh, verse 28, and we're going to talk more about this tomorrow, but it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. When we see those four things brought together, we actually are given an outline mm-hmm. of Leviticus chapter 17 and 18. Now, of course, if we were writing this letter today, what we would say is, hey, guys, you remember Leviticus 17 and 18? Mm-hmm. Go back and read that and see how that applies. The, the scrolls of Leviticus were not divided in chapters. They were not right. divided in verses when this council meeting was yeah. happening. So James doesn't say, look, let's let's leave no greater burden on them than Leviticus 17 and 18. He calls to mind these four themes from that section of the Old Testament scripture, which began in Leviticus 17 with the idea of where you offer your sacrifices, which moved to the idea of things strangled in blood and, and how they were supposed to deal with those sacrifices and the fact that they were supposed to pour the blood out and not drink that life in, and then moved to sexual immorality. And he brings all of that up. I think it's important for us to recognize. Now, he's not saying these are the only four laws out of the law that apply to you. Gentiles couldn't go killing people. That's right. They couldn't go stealing things just because, well, I mean, I'm a Christian and, and the law doesn't apply to me, so I can kill and steal. But What he's highlighting is just what you brought up. There's a baggage that the Gentiles are bringing in. And James is saying we've got to get them away from this thing that has been dominating their life. And that's idolatry. It absolutely has been dominating their life. You're right. He doesn't say Leviticus uh, 17 and 18. He doesn't say Leviticus. But what he is extrapolating here is that portion of Scripture where there was instruction given to the Israelites of old, there will be strangers in your land. God is taking you to this promised land, but not everybody that lives there is going to be an Israelite. The strangers, the, the, the foreigners, the sojourners, this is going to be about what are the expectations of these non-Jews to have a peaceful uh, fellowship and coexisting with God's chosen people. We, we do find throughout those two chapters, as he's giving the law to the Jews, he says, when you have sojourners that come among you, right, they're these laws them. apply to them also. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, so, and, and it's not just these two chapters that mention that in the law. No, no, no. But, no, we, no. but we do have that concept of... You guys aren't sojourners anymore. You are in. You are on the inside. You're not having to submit to the law. But there are these things that have been a part of the law for sojourners that under the gospel still apply. You don't worship idols. Amen. And so because of that, you Mm -hmm. get away from these idolatrous practices. I do think it's important just here. Maybe this is just a side note. But... What we find here, there are a lot of folks today that want to suggest that the New Testament doesn't really say anything against the practice of homosexuality, of same-gender sexual activity. But this section in Leviticus chapter 17 and 18 actually does. So when James calls this section of Scripture to mind, it's even bringing up that passage in Leviticus chapters 18 
which I keep flipping the page past it, in Leviticus chapter 18, where it highlights that you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And so we recognize that what James is doing is bringing that into the new covenant as well. And these Gentiles, as no, you don't have to be circumcised. You're not having to surrender to the law. But there are all these practices that have been part of what you have been doing in your life. Don't bring that baggage in. And that's one of the very specific ones. And I, I wanted to highlight that as we looked at this. Yeah, I mean, you, you see um, very direct language spoken about that type of sexual sin and passages like 1 Corinthians 6 as well. And so what we see is that there is a continuity in God's view of sexuality from Genesis through Revelation, uh, that God's plan for a sexual relationship is within the context of marriage, one man, one woman joined in marriage for life until God separates them in death. Yeah, and in that passage in Leviticus 18, verse 24, do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things, for by all these the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean, and the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. So now we're back to that issue of what was said about the Gentiles and how they were behaving and how they had been punished. Again, James is bringing that in. I know we're having to wrap up. We've we've talked about some heady things here. I just want to summarize. What we understand is we're not under the law. Mm -hmm. But saying that we're not under the law does not mean that every statement in the law is null and void and does not apply. And number three, we've really got to be working on this baggage thing, bringing in my old life, bringing in my old habits, my old perspectives, my old outlooks. I got to get away from that. Whether I was a Jew or a Gentile, when I come into Christ, all things are new and I, and I don't filter that through my baggage. So I hope we could draw those three things out today. We'd love to hear what you're learning, what you're reading. If you're reading something else and you're just listening along with us on this and we'd love to hear what you're learning from those things. We'd love to know any questions you have. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's wrap up with a prayer, Andrew. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you for your word, the freedom we have to read it, to study it, to discuss these things. Father, we pray that our hearts are open and that you might write these truths upon them. Father, as we look today and we see that in the early church there were these struggles about how brethren could be together in one body, in one church, and the challenges of of the background and the baggage of life before Christ and how some of those things follow us and and follow us even into a new path. Father, help us to judge our hearts and our lifestyles by your word to cast away those things that are evil and sinful and entrap us. Father, just to seek what is pure and good and true. And by your grace, Father, that we might walk in your light and be faithful disciples to be with you forever in glory. We pray, Father, that you take us there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.